Well, today we celebrate Pentecost. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see the church which is birthed in power. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Blinda and I were in, uh, having a guided tour of the capital of Slovakia, which is Bratislava. And the guide was pointing out the architectural delights of the place and showing us St. Michael's Cathedral. And then he said something which I remember distinctly. And he pointed out a spire, which was not part of the cathedral, but was another church. And he said, and that, he said, is St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas is the patron saint of thieves. And I thought, thieves have a patron saint? And I began to scratch my head. Now, I have never been particularly enamoured uh, by the Catholic concept of having a human advocate. And so I'm not a great fan of patron saints. Um, but what it said to me was, why do we need a human advocate? Because God is able to fulfil all we need. And Pentecost is the great demonstration of that. God is our Father Jesus is our saviour and our advocate, and the Holy Spirit comes to complete that trinity as our comforter, our seal, our teacher, and our empowerer. And Pentecost puts into place the last jigsaw piece of God's great plan of salvation. All that has gone before would be of no avail if the gospel is not proclaimed and people do not repent and call on the name of the Lord for salvation. It'd be like preparing a great banquet and nobody comes. It is the Holy Spirit who is tasked with making this happen. If you like, God the Father has done his part in planning and sending Jesus. And Jesus has done his part in being our sacrifice, paying the price and turning away God's wrath, defeating death. And now it's the Holy Spirit who takes up the baton, and his job is to empower these disciples to preach the gospel and go and make disciples of all nations. And this is the third significant thing the Holy Spirit has done in the space of about just over 30 years, giving birth to three quite remarkable things. He gives birth to the Messiah through Mary, as the Holy Spirit ensures that God becomes man. And then secondly, the Holy Spirit gives birth to the ministry of Jesus. As at his baptism, John baptizes Jesus and the Holy Spirit descends and gives birth to Jesus' ministry. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit here in Pentecost gives birth to the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So on this unprecedented day, the disciples receive this gift, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they go out and they preach. The power comes, we're told, like a mighty wind which shakes the room they're in, and tongues of fire descend on each one of them. Fire represents the presence of a holy God. Do you remember the burning bush and Moses? The bush burned with fire. Do you remember the pillar of fire before the Israelites? It was the presence of God. And here the Holy Spirit descends on each of the disciples. The presence of God is with each one of his disciples. They are filled with the Spirit and they, become, and, they be, and they begin speaking in tongues. Now we're not exactly sure of the time scale of 
what quite happened on that day, but we know that by nine o'clock in the morning, they were out on the streets and they were preaching. And it's an amazing fact that the sermon was heard in the own language of everybody who listened. And Peter explains this through the words of the prophet Joel. He reels out this Old Testament prophecy. And Joel says three things in this prophecy. In verses 17 and 18 here in chapter 2, we read that God will pour out his spirit on all people. That's part of God's future promise, which is being fulfilled. And the second thing Joel says concerning this prophecy is that there are going to be events surrounding the crucifixion, which he describes, earthquakes and darkness. And then thirdly, there would be a second coming, an end of the world, a day of judgment. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the Spirit has come that we might be saved. The church is birthed so that all who call on the name of the Lord will become part of that great bride of Christ. And then having explained what happens, Peter then starts to point the finger. Remember, here he's talking to a group of gathered Jews. And he says in verse 22, God sent Jesus and he was recognized by all his miracles, but you put him to death. God raised him up just as David had prophesied. You killed him, but God raised him up and God appointed him as Lord and Christ. Now, there's something very significant in that phrase, because when Peter uses this word Lord, he is declaring that Jesus is God. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, the audience who are listening to all this suddenly realize it suddenly dawns on them. They have killed the Messiah. How desperate is that? It's a capital offense to kill another human being. But they're distraught. What is the penalty for killing the Messiah? What's the penalty for killing God's special one? What could that possibly be? But Peter doesn't offer them condemnation. He offers them salvation. Salvation and the promise of this same Holy Spirit. And Peter stands there himself as a living example of grace. There he is. He's a denier. He's a deserter. He's a blusterer. He's a failure. Yet lovingly, he's been restored by Jesus. He's been chosen as Jesus' mouthpiece, his evangelist. He has been chosen as Jesus' rock, the one on which he will build his church. So from the lowest of the low, he is now baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he has become Christ's champion. And Jesus promised that same Holy Spirit would come. And those who received that Holy Spirit would do greater things than Jesus himself. And here on day one is living proof of that. Peter made more disciples on that one day than Jesus had done in his whole ministry. This then is the day that fulfills the whole of the Old Testament. And it's the day that fulfills the whole of Jesus' ministry, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. It's culminating in a chosen people who are now empowered by the Holy Spirit and going out into all nations, making disciples. 
This is the great ingathering of the church of Jesus. It's the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation laid down before the creation of the world. The Spirit has come, and it enters the hearts of men and women never to leave them again. He comes in power. He comes in comfort. He comes to convict of sin. He comes to make Christ known. He comes to seal with salvation. And he comes to build the church. And no one and nothing will stand against him or separate us from the love of God. That's what Paul was saying in Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life or death, neither angels or demons, neither present or the future, or any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's because the Spirit has come. The Spirit has come. The church is born. And as you go through the book of Acts, chapter after chapter, the church is gathered and is growing. And the Spirit is sowing and convicting and transforming and empowering. And that great mission continues right to this very day. Throughout the ages, unbroken, there's been a line of disciples filled with the Spirit of God proclaiming that gospel. And I love the song that Noel Richards wrote, Love Songs from Heaven Are Filling the Earth, because he expresses something of that continuity that started on the day of Pentecost and continues through to this day. It's a mission that is confronted by evil. It's a mission that continues through persecution. It's a mission that is vested with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a mission so important that on that cause, lives will be lost. But this is the legacy of Pentecost, the irrepressible church of the living God. Love songs from heaven are filling the earth bringing great hope to all nations. Evil has prospered, but truth is alive. In this dark world, the light still shines. Nothing has silenced the gospel of Christ. It echoes down through the ages. Blood of the martyrs has made the church strong. In this dark world, the light still shines. Let every nation be filled with your song. This is the cry of your people. We will not settle for anything less. In this dark world, our light must shine. For you we live, and for you we may die. Through Jesus, through us, may Jesus be seen. For you alone, we will offer our lives. In this dark world, our light will shine. And today in Christ Church, the light of the gospel still burns brightly in lives that are submitted to God, that hearts that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because today is still the day of Pentecost. Today is still the day of salvation. Amazingly, God has chosen us, despite our failures, despite our sin, despite our reticence, our cowardice, because we are exactly the same as Peter. We are the most unpromising, unworthy and downright hopeless of people. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
to proclaim through our words and through our lives the glory of his saving grace. If he chose the brave and the articulate, the world would put that down to natural gifting. But God tells us he, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And all he asks of us is to open our hearts to his spirit and be willing for him to use us. This morning, Anita used a glass of water as an illustration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the evangelist D.L. Moody used a very similar illustration, and he had an empty glass, and he asked his, uh, his congregation, he said, how can I get the air out of this glass? And he encouraged a bit of a discussion, and the conclusion was, well, you could suck the air out with a vacuum pump, but the glass would collapse under the pressure of the vacuum. And he simply then filled the glass with water. And as he filled the glass with water, the air naturally came out. It's an illustration that all our hopelessness and all our emptiness is removed when we are filled with God's spirit. It's the answer to our pitiful failure. It's the answer to our sin. It's the answer to our hopelessness is to be filled with the Spirit of God. And that's God's purpose for each one of us. That's why Pentecost is still relevant to all our lives. And it's that way that God will fulfill his mission in our lives when we are filled with his Spirit. Amen.